Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you all again today. I'm surprised after the um, 45 minute marathon that I delivered last time that so many of you came back. Uh, there are actually kind words expressed about that this morning. I would say that um, one among you who shall go unnamed uh, put a, a, a post on my Facebook page. It was a cartoon where the police officer has pulled over this car in which it's clearly the, the rector of the church is driving. The officer is up beside the car and he says, sorry, Reverend, but I'm going to have to give you a ticket. You were going over 45 in a 15-minute zone. So, uh, I will be brief today. No expansive narrative, no lavish history. I simply want to talk about salt. The scripture passage this morning from Mark says, Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Or, as Matthew puts it more succinctly, you are the salt of the earth. In addition to these biblical texts, I will steal shamelessly from Mark Kurlansky's excellent book entitled Salt, A World History. Anybody here read that? Excellent book, Salt, A World History. Let me begin by offering an apology here to anyone who is restricted to a low-sodium diet. Are there some amongst us? Yes, indeed, I feel your pain. My guess is that you probably appreciate salt more than the rest of us who are not burdened by such dietary restrictions, and I thank you for your patience this morning with my salty comments. Several weeks ago, I had the pleasure of roaming the National Mall in Washington, D.C. with a friend and enjoyed once again standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and gazing out over the reflecting pool to the Washington Monument and the Capitol building off in the distance. I imagine a number of you have done that as well. The Washington Monument is open again to the public following repairs to damage that was incurred during an 8.5 magnitude earthquake in August of 2011. I didn't have time to venture to the top this time, but Recalling a bit of historical trivia, I noted that in 1884, when the monument was completed, the decision was made to cap it with a semi-precious metal that was little known to the public, but believed to be able to withstand the onslaught of lightning bolts that would inevitably strike this 555-foot tower. Does anybody know what semi-precious metal makes up the cap of the Washington Monument. Aluminum. Yes, indeed. The tip of the Washington Monument is wrapped in tinfoil. Well, not quite. It's a small pyramid of solid aluminum weighing just over six pounds. It was projected that it would cost $75 at the time, and when the bill came in at $256, due to complications in smelting. The engineer in charge of construction was not pleased, and after some serious dickering, the government agreed to pay $225 instead. 
for this rare aluminum cap for the Washington Monument. I share this tale to remind us how our sense of what is rare, precious, and unusual changes from generation to generation. In 1884, aluminum was hard to come by, and nobody imagined that pretty much everyone in the country in this day would have a roll of aluminum foil in their kitchen, and aluminum siding would clad many a home. Salt is now so common, so easy to obtain, so inexpensive, that we have also forgotten that from the beginning of civilization until roughly 100 years ago, salt was one of the most sought-after commodities in human history. Until modern times, the advent of refrigeration, salt provided the only reliable way to preserve food for long periods of time. This ability to preserve food, to protect against decay, as well as to sustain life, has given salt considerable importance. Salt was, to the ancient Hebrews, the symbol of the eternal nature of God's covenant with Israel. It's written in the book of Numbers. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord. And later in Chronicles, the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and his sons, by a covenant of salt. In Christianity... Salt is associated not only with longevity and permanence, but by extension with truth and wisdom. The Catholic Church has historically dispensed not only holy water, but holy salt, sal sapientia, the salt of wisdom. Salt's potency led to the belief that it should be handled with care. Now, who here feels a bit uneasy when you spill salt. Come on. Yeah, I see some over here. You spill salt, and you're inclined, even though you're not superstitious, to toss a bit of salt over your shoulder just in case. If you look closely at Leonardo da Vinci's painting of The Last Supper, you can see that Judas has knocked the salt cellar over with his elbow. And thanks to him, spilled salt is associated with treachery and lies. And if you do spill salt, a pinch thrown over your left shoulder is supposed to blind the devil who is waiting there to catch you. The search for salt has challenged engineers for millennia. A number of the greatest public works ever conceived were motivated by the need to move salt from place to place. It turns out that almost no place on earth is without salt. But this was not clear until it was revealed by modern geology, and so for almost all of history, salt was desperately searched for, traded for, and fought over. For millennia, salt represented wealth. The Chinese, the Romans, the French, the Venetians, the Habsburgs, and numerous other governments taxed it to raise money for their wars. Soldiers and sometimes workers were paid in salt. We have a saying that he isn't even worth his salt. Roger uh, reminded me this morning that after spending years in the Navy, he was an old salt. 
I couldn't disagree. (laughs) Salt was often used as money. When Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, he was making a profound statement about how important we are to the preservation of life and the prevention of physical and spiritual decay and inviting us into lives that are rich with the full flavors of the gospel, love and compassion, acceptance and justice. I'm guessing that like me, many of you have been watching Pope Francis in his remarks before Congress, his lunch with the homeless, his tenderness at the 9-11 memorial, his eloquence before the UN, his warmth with children and his humility in the presence of pomp and ceremony. As I watched these events unfold, I actually said to myself, you know, yes, this is what Christianity is supposed to taste like. This, too, is our calling. In his letter to the Christians in the city of Colossae, Paul says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. You are the salt of the earth. Christianity is not meant to be bland. It is meant to be spicy and rich, overflowing with the flavor of love, the tender taste of compassion, the sweetness of acceptance, and the boldness of justice. It should be a flavor that knocks you over with its complexities and keeps you coming back for another taste of its goodness. Now, I have a little gift for everybody this morning. It's going to require uh, a few volunteers. Nobody's going to get hurt. (laughs) Nobody will be terribly embarrassed. I need uh, three, four people. Not all at once. The flood of people up here is overwhelming. Okay, come on. There we go. Okay, there's one that we got. Okay, this one. Oh, one more. Okay, the brave people are here. All right, now let's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look into the magic bag here. I'm going to spread these out. Buy them by the thousands on eBay. You didn't take them from a restaurant? No, that was tempting, but I didn't. Okay, oops, don't want that. And you can have this. All right, now, this is a reverse offering, okay? So they're just going to pass these down. You're going to make sure that they work their way all the way down the aisle. And everybody gets to take one or two or three. Don't worry. I have plenty. Like I said, these little salt packets are available on eBay by, by the thousands at almost nothing. Then we have a little, a little, uh, a little lesson. Once everybody has some, just pass it on down. People can pass the basket around. I'm sure that'll do. Don't forget the choir. Don't want to leave, have an unsalty choir. That would not be good.
got the choir yet. We've got to get back there. I don't think anybody's gotten back to the choir yet. You've got to go back there. There they go. All right, has everybody got some now? Got your own little salt? Now here's a little um, tongue twister so that you can remember what it is you're supposed to be doing with your salt. It goes like this. I have a sample of simple sacred salt so I can spread saintliness surreptitiously. All right, now we're going to practice that a little bit. This is important. You can't be the salt of the earth if you don't do your job. Okay? So we got a little... So here, I'm going to say it again. I have a sample of simple sacred salt so I can spread saintliness surreptitiously. Now, I'll give it to you one, one phrase at a time, and you'll repeat it. I have a sample of simple sacred salt. I have a sample of simple sacred salt. So I can spread saintliness, so I can spread saintliness surreptitiously. See, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to overburden anybody. You're going to sneak it in. But you're going to give world flavor. Now let's practice it again. I have a sample of simple sacred salt. I have a sample of simple sacred salt. So I can spread saintliness, so I can spread saintliness surreptitiously surreptitiously. Five syllables. I know that's a big one for some of you. All together now. I have a sample of simple sacred salt so I can spread saintliness surreptitiously. Now here's my request of you. When you reach for the salt shaker and shake that simple sacred salt onto your sumptuous supper. Take a moment to ask yourself, how have I been the salt of the earth today? 